Hello and welcome to my podcast, Conversations with Cornelius, where I, Cornelius Patrick O'Sullivan, discuss, chat and hypothesize on all things from fatherhood, marriage, comedy and everything else in between. From time to time, there will be special guests, but mostly it's going to be me and some regular contributors, including my main squeeze, Noelle Patricia O'Sullivan, a.k.a. The Wife. So sit back, relax and enjoy Conversations with Cornelius! Hello, and welcome back to my podcast. My name is Cornelius Patrick O'Sullivan, and you're very welcome. Sit down and take off your clothes, and listen through your nose. Okay, maybe don't listen through your nose, and maybe keep on your clothes. But you are all extremely welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Cornelius Patrick O'Sullivan. I am sitting in the John Hume War Room, and I am by myself today, ladies and gentlemen. I'm just going to give you a little Snapchat, a little Snapchat, <laughs> snapshot of what my what this area looks like. I've got a pair of jeans hanging off one of my chairs i've got my planner up on the wall it's starting to fill up with lots of dates for lots of gigs and lots of shows um meetings projects and gigs it's fucking great to see it filled get starting to fill up i've got a 21 22 planner so a courtesy of the queen she bought it for me there online um in the left corner of the room i have my mic stand and my light stand um, both will be necessary this Saturday night <clears throat> as I reopen the Coco Club, ladies and gentlemen. But I'm going to get into all of that there now in a second. But before I get into all of that, ladies and gentlemen, I am going to give a little shout out to the sponsor of this phenomenally successful and much lauded show, um, Conversations with Cornelius. My sponsor is, as you all know, the West Cork Beard Company, a humble yet extremely thriving beard company based in the picturesque part of West Cork known as Clannacilty. And Christmas is coming and the geese are getting fat. Please put a penny in the old man's hat. If you haven't got a penny, a halfpenny will do. And if you haven't got a halfpenny, well then God bless you. So if you don't have a halfpenny and you have a penny, get on to Company for the man in your life. Um, they've got some unbelievable packages. This week I've been using a lot of oil in my beer. In my beer? And in my beard. Uh, Cedarwood and Siberian fur is the one that I'm using. I absolutely love it. What I love most about it is, because I think all their all their products are great, but what I love about, about most of their products is the scent. <coughs> Beautiful scent of that particular oil. I wish I had got a glass of water for this podcast, for this podcast, but I didn't. I didn't think about it. I just went straight into it. No kissing, lads. Straight into it. Uh, fasting update. For those of you who are anyway interested in the fasting journey, I am feeling fantastic. I weighed myself this week and I am 14.6. So I have got down below what my pre-COVID weight was. What are you eating, Cornelius? Well, I'm eating whatever the fuck I want is what I'm eating. For example, this morning, I broke my fast with a McDonald's breakfast. I had a double egg McMuffin meal, two hash browns, and a delicious cup of coffee. Then I had a meeting with my accountant, 
and afterwards on the way home I stopped off to get some fuel in the car and I bought some lovely lemon iced tea Lipton lemon iced tea and you know what I had a packet of chipsticks with it and I don't know and I don't care if anyone here has ever eaten chipsticks and Lipton lemon iced tea but they are delightful they are delightful together <coughs> I also had a dairy milk <laughs> a dairy milk so um now that is today right and this is all during my feasting period mind you because i'm on an 11 day streak that's why the weight is falling off me that is why well it's not actually falling off me it's coming off me incrementally um and i'm f- but mostly and i said this in last week's podcast when i was talking to laura O'Mahony, and if you haven't listened to last week's podcast guys please go back uh, it's absolutely tearing up on the podcast charts the amount of messages that i got about last week's podcast i think it's up there with the very very best episodes that i've done so definitely go back and have a listen to it uh, but um on it i was discussing the fasting journey with laura and i was outlining a lot of the things that are really good on top of or as well as the eradication of fat from my body and um, one of those things is i have more energy one of those things is i know that you know my internal organs are getting a break from digestion and uh, the other thing then is obviously i'm losing a little bit of a little bit of weight and as i said i'm on an 11 day streak i haven't broken i haven't broken the streak in 11 days that means that i have fasted i have done at least a minimum of a 16 hour fast every day for the last 11 days and for the last month i think i might have broken that streak a couple of times maybe two or three times but i'm feeling good and i'm also being gentle with myself i'm also going look whatever the fuck i want to do i'm going to do so if i want to eat this i'm going to eat this if i don't want to eat this i'm not going to eat this but i am determined to stick to the fasting ritual because (coughs) i don't want to be that type of person that goes oh i'm going to do this and then not even try or give up halfway through I'm anxious to see it out and to see what results I get. You know, I set myself, like when I when I weighed myself initially, I was 15 stone, three pounds. Now that is heavy for my frame. Um, and I checked out my BMI and I said, I'm going to try and get down to my BMI, which is 11 stone and seven pounds. Now I can categorically tell you right now that there's no way in fucking hell that that's going to happen because I have yet to lose even a full stone. <laughs> And I'm at it slightly over a month. However, I have lost. Um, so I was 14.6. I have lost. So 14. So I have lost 11 pounds. 11 pounds, which is good, and it makes me feel good. And I know that you know what I'm doing is has other excellent attributes to my body. And uh, I'm also enjoying the ritual of it. I like the ritual of it. I'm also enjoying the pain of it. The last couple of nights now, the last two nights in particular, because we've had a very, very stressful um, last four days at home. Noelle was off for the last four days and both our boys were sick and we had to take them for fucking COVID tests. And of course, they were were negative, um, but there just seems to be a kind of a... an infection that's not COVID related going around the place and of course they're in picking everything up in school Uh, one of the the youngest wasn't sleeping well so we were up all night and then we're up very early in the morning and um, at night time when you do get a little bit of solace um, that's when myself and Noel would kick back onto the couch and uh, 
turn on the old wireless, not the wireless, turn on the, because there is wires in the wireless, turn on the television, the wire full, the wire some <laughs> television, and we might watch something on Netflix, and that's when a bit of grazing would go on with me, okay, and again, I'm only speaking about myself, okay, each to their own, everybody is responsible for themselves, um, and on two occasions in the last four days, I felt a little bit of weakness at night time, and I was like, I, I, I said, will I go in for chips? And uh, both times, Noel was like, no, you're grand, you're grand, we won't bother, we won't bother. And I didn't, and then I woke up the next morning, and I was like, yes, yes, I didn't fucking get chips last night, I didn't get fucking chips, and look at me now, I'm fucking great, look at me, look, I'm, I'm, I'm being inspected, like, I get up in the morning, right, and I got up, the, the, the last two mornings I got up, um, and I went straight to the toilet, defecated, <laughs> and weighed myself. <laughs> I haven't been weighing myself for ages, but I've wanted to try and get into the, f under the 14.7 is what I wanted to get in, 14.6, because 14.7 is my pre-COVID weight, that's what I was pre-COVID, so I'm slightly under that now, and I'm feeling great, and that's the update on the fasting, guys, um, I'm not obsessive about it, but I am really enjoying it, and I'm determined to see this out to Christmas, and to see what results I pick up. You know, so as I said, I haven't even lost a stone yet. I've lost 11 pounds. It's not about the weight. I want to reiterate that. But the weight is a way of keeping score. That is another thing that is, you know, and I'm competitive, you know. I'm competitive by nature. So if I can keep score, um, I will. I will keep score. <laughs> so I'm, 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 as far as I'm concerned, I'm, I'm almost winning. I'd love to get down to 14.3. And then when I get down to 14.3, I'll be like, yeah. Okay, you've lost a stone. You've lost a stone. No, that's good. Like, cause you know what I mean. Losing a stone is good. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how we get on. Uh, I touched on it at the start. My planner is starting to fill up with dates. I've got a few dates in Dublin. I got a. I'm getting my comedy club back up off the ground. Coco Club, Wednesdays and Saturdays. This Saturday we're reopening it, um, and it's sold out. All the tickets are gone. So if you're looking for a ticket, guys sold out by the time you hear this anyway the gig will be over but every saturday now every saturday so if you listen to this podcast and um you live close by to cork city and you want to catch some live comedy come to my comedy club the coco club upstairs in the roundy every saturday night we got the best comedians we got the best night out we're going to start off doing just one hour shows so there's going to be just one show on a saturday it's going to be an hour eight to nine in you come get your seat get your drink watch the comics put your hands up with a pe with a pen and paper um anyway any at any period throughout the the gig and a barman will come down take your order bring your drink to your table and just tap your card it's so simple it's so easy and it's going to be great fun this week we've got Shane Clifford next week I got Chris Kent and I've got like people who are on this podcast the whole time Laura Manny's on a couple of weeks time Bernard Casey's on a couple of weeks time Ty Kiki's on a couple of weeks time you know, um, the Improv Panto crew, we're going to be doing um, our own um, uh, improv nights in there uh, called uh, the Coconuts. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be fast. It's going to be crack. It's not going to be time consuming. That's the thing I, I've learned about comedy down through the years. T people want to come in, get their drink, sit down, laugh for an hour, get up and move on with their night. Whether get a bag of chips, get a taxi home, 
go to a club, go to a pub, go for something to eat, and that's what I want to do. It's kind of the New York style, the New York vibe. <coughs> and um, that's a smoker's cough. And you know what? I've had no weed. <clears throat> I've had no weed. Normally I'd have a little bake before I do a podcast, but I've had no weed. I'm too busy to fucking smoke weed at the moment. Um, and that's good too. That's really good, really, to be honest about it, guys. Do you know what I mean? Uh, I was thinking this week on the podcast, <clears throat> I was like, okay, I, I don't have a guest lined up. And I was like, I, what am I going to talk about? And I was just thinking about a story about when I was a referee. Uh, a GAA referee a couple of years ago, about 15 years ago, I got a phone call from the club that I, I'm from, Ballyclaw, our club, our GAA club. And the chairman rang me up and he I had, I had retired officially about a year and the chairman was ringing me up and I was like here we go <sighs> he's coming a begging he's coming a begging he's like okay we need you back you retire too young but he he rang me up anyway and he was like oh Connie how are things I was like oh Dan how's the farm boy very good Connie very good come here I've something to ask you <laughs> I was like <laughs> you took your time Dan you took your time go on yeah what's up what's up the club's in a bad way I was like all right I know, I know. Sure, look, I I saw we got to the Narcar final last year. We're we're missing someone, you know, with with the cutting edge in the final third. Go on, what do you want to say to me? He goes, yeah, club's in a bad way, bye. Unless we can get a referee, unless we can get a referee this year, the club is going to be docked points in the league. And I was like, that's why you're ringing me. He was like, yeah. Now you're a fine young man, and I know you're not playing hurling or football anymore. Is there any chance you'd do it? You'd be helping the club out. And like he knew then, once he said that to me, that was me gone. You know, because I'm a sucker for like for the hero complex. You know, if you t- if you can tell me that by doing something I'll save the day, um, it doesn't matter what it is. If it puts me in peril, I'll fucking do it as long as I can be kind of seen as a hero. You know, I love that little. Well done, Connie by fair play to you. You refereed the game. Fair play to you, by you're, 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 a, you're a mighty man. Um, and that's just the way I am. It's just built into me. It's something that I'm trying to address. I don't know if I can address it. But I love swooping in and saving the day, if at all possible. And you know what? The opportunity for something like that doesn't really come along very often now. And back then, it was like just as rare as it is now. So I was like, look, Dan, I'm fucking very busy. I'm very busy, but look, if I, you know, if I, if, if it means I'm helping the club out, I'd be happy to do one or two games. I'll ref, I'd put me down for the ref. So it was a little bit more to, to, to do. There was a little bit more to do than that. I had to do a little referee's course. I, I got the uniform, the black shorts, the black t-shirt or the black shirt. I got the whistles. I got the cards and the whole lot. And um, the first game that I had to ref was a was a hurling match back in Dramina in uh, and it was a league match at Newtown Chandram we're playing Dramina and it was a junior B match and Newtown Chandram uh, the game was over within 15 minutes Newtown Chandram absolutely hammered them and it was very easy to ref because it was all one-sided there was no kind of rivalry or anything and uh, I was like this is easy enough and you've got your expenses you know you can get 35 40 euro for going to a game you know um, no I didn't I didn't claim the expenses straight away i was like you know what i let this build up this could be a nice little learner for me you know um and at the time at the time i wasn't even doing comedy i wasn't a comedian um what i was doing to pay my bills i was a professional poker player that's what i that's what i would do i would just play poker uh, maybe four nights a week 
either online or I would go into the casino in Cork, the Macau Casino in Cork, and I would sit down. I, I don't know if you remember the Texas Hold'em craze that went kind of global there in the kind of the early noughties, like, you know, 2002, 2003, 2004. Everybody who was anybody thought they could play Texas Hold'em. And I was definitely into that category. I learned how to play it when I was living in London, and I quickly became good at it and then I kind of quickly became obsessed with it and then I thought to myself I'm going to make I'm going to be a millionaire here I'm going to be a world famous professional poker player and uh, I went away and I studied it <coughs> and um, I put my I put my heart and soul into it uh, to the jeopardy of actually an awful lot of things in my life you know my family <laughs> kind of shunned me I wasn't a great dad at the time I was um I was fucking doing, I was drinking too much, I was fucking cavorting, I was, I was being a bit of a jack the lad now, if I'm being totally honest about it, um, getting up to all sorts of mischief, and, uh, poker was, I don't know, it was like, it was something that was exciting, it was like, it was different, all my friends had regular jobs, they were like, you know, working in offices, or they were, you know, selling stuff, or they were just, they all were wearing shirts and ties, or they were had to conform to you know timetables and that's one thing with me I can't conform to timetables I dislike timetables I dislike having to be I don't mind having to be at a place but if somebody tells me that I have to be at a place at a certain time every day four or five days a week that that that, that just eats away at me eats away at me any job that I any normal job that I ever had that I had to do that where I had to kind of be Johnny Punch clock clock in do my time clock out and repeat any job that I ever had like that I've always fallen out with the people in that job I just can't do it I I'm not built that way I don't think there's anything wrong with anybody who's built that way I often think to myself it would be fucking great to be built that way why am I not built that way but anyway I'm not so I back back around 2002 2003 2004 even that's what I was doing I was playing poker I was playing professionally and you know some nights you could win up to you know there were nights where you could win two or three thousand euros and there were nights where you could lose three or four thousand euros um but by and large if you played reasonably steady and if you just kind of waited for poor players to come in and what we used to call poor players was fish if you were a poor player you were a fish um you just wait for those people to come in. Usually they'd come in. They'd come in a little bit jarred up, a little bit pissed, a little bit leery, all brave, you know, bluffing off all their chips. And you just kind of sit there, wait, patience. Poker is all about patience and persistence and um, and just kind of knowing the basic, the basic mathematics and obviously having a good gut as well and playing your position. There's actually quite, there's actually quite a lot of facets to it. But when you're playing against poor players, then... You know, it's just a matter of sitting down, waiting to get right cards. And Saturday night was the night of the week where you could make the most money because on a Saturday night, that's when people were out drinking and come kind of 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning. They're falling in from the pubs. They're coming into the casino because there's a late. you can get a late drink there. They're coming in. They're getting a vodka Red Bull. They're sitting at the table. They're six or seven pints in. And they're just splashing their chips onto the onto the felt and raising and re-raising and calling and bluffing and you're just waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. Okay? And then you get your cards and then you 
then you play and then you generally you would take their money that's the that's the way it was that's the way it is now even um and not that i play anymore i don't really play anymore but back then it, this was and saturday night was the main night but on this particular saturday this story that i'm about to tell you on this particular saturday i got a phone call at about five o'clock from our chairman going hey how are you doing come here we have you down to referee a fucking league match tomorrow kill shanig are playing Clyder rovers junior b it's a, just a league match it's on at half 11 in the morning Will you be able to make it? We're in a bad way here now. Look, if you can put your name down for this, that's it. Now we won't ask you to referee again for the rest of the year. The club will be the club will be seen to be proactive, and 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 and, and you'll have helped us out. You'll have saved us. You're, you you'll be you'll be the hero. Or words to that effect is what he said. And I just like I'll be the hero, is it? <laughs> yeah, no bother. Yeah, put me down. Put me down for that. Put me down for that immediately, if not sooner. I'm your man. You know. I can do it. Who's playing? Clyde. First is who? Kilshanig. Yeah, they're kind of rivals. But look, we're talking Junior B. We're talking a half 11 in the morning kind of a game. It's a nothing game, you know? Yeah, I'll be able to walk through this. And also, he's after giving me the out of going, this is the last game now. This is the la- we won't ask you to do another one. I'm like, perfect. So I've done one hurling game. And this is going to be a football game. And I can always then say, you know, with a little bit of authority that... um. Look, I know what I'm talking about, lads. I've actually played the game and I've refed the game, do you know? So another little string to the bow um, for when I'm in heated arguments with my friends, as I often am, about GAA. That's grand. I say yes and I forget about it. I set my alarm, actually. I set my alarm for the following morning at 10 o'clock and I pack my gear that instant, almost immediately after talking to Dan. Just put my boots, put it put in my referee jersey uh, put in my towel whole lot put throw it into the back uh, into the car because I know that I'm going in to play poker on Saturday night I know that I'm not going to get out of the casino till around you know kind of half one maybe two o'clock and then I'll just come home go to bed get up go to the match everything is inside in the car perfect all right Dan had also said and don't worry at all about it I'm after sorting out two umpires for you so there'll be two lads from the club that'll be there to help you out on the day and that's actually very important because you need someone other than yourself if there's some sort of a contentious decision to be made to be able to talk to them and you know you know yourself you just want you want you want all all avenues blocked you don't want any hassle whatsoever so anyway i go off into town that night into cork city i'll never forget it um I remember driving and I remember there was a parking space right outside the casino and I was like oh my god this is my lucky night because there's never a parking space outside the casino but as I'm driving up a car pulls directly out and I'm like oh because sometimes when you'd be back then when you'd be when if you'd won money if you'd won like 1500 or 2000 euros or whatever because there's a lot of dodgy fucking pricks inside the casinos a lot of dodgy fucks um you'd be kind of happy they'd be watching you you know and you'd be walking out you got a 1500 quid in your arse pocket maybe two grand or something like that and your car could be parked up at the top of mccurtain street a lot of kind and at two o'clock or three o'clock on a, on a saturday uh, or early on a sunday morning saturday late on a saturday night you know you just want to get your into your car and get home so when this when this space opened up for me i was like oh my god this is this is your lucky night so i went in nice and early 
I sat down and I played the tournament. There's a tournament on every uh, every night, or there used to be a tournament on there every night. And uh, it's usually like, it's probably the fairest way of playing poker. Everybody puts in, you know, maybe 50 euro, and then there's a pot, and the winner gets 60% of that, and second place gets 20%, and then you might have another four or five places would be taken up with the rest of the money, you know. So if you got down to the last six or seven, you got, probably got your money back if you got into the top two or three you had quite a good day quite a good day at the races um but you could have 70 or 80 people playing so it was always kind of difficult to get to get to the final table where the money is and if you got knocked out early you always had the uh, the option of just playing the cash game and the cash game really is what saturday night is all about so anyway i played the tournament and um i actually got eliminated almost immediately almost immediately got eliminated uh, through no fault of my own i can't even remember the hand but i remember just it was it wasn't even a bad beat i pushed in with my chips and another person pushed in with their chips and they had better cards than me and they won fair and square and i was like grand and in a way it was like just the dance that had to be got that dance that had to be danced to move on to where i really wanted to be which was at the cash table which is where the drunk players would be stumbling in over the next few hours sitting down and leaving their cash there for three or four or five or six uh, i suppose pro players that were just waiting for it to happen so anyway we sat down and at the time i was smoking cigarettes i got my seat um i had my uh i had my my hoodie on i had my shades everybody wore shades for some reason back then just so people couldn't see my eyes but i think it was more of a kind of a Again, it's kind of that hero, kind of cool dude, kind of star of his own movie kind of vibe that I was going for, like, you know. <coughs> and you 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 had to buy your chips. So a kind of a stack of about 200 euro was a, is what you'd sit down with in front of you, somewhere between 100 and 200 euro. And you'd, you might have another couple of hundred euro in your pocket so that if you got unlucky, that you'd win that money. You'd, you'd, if, and you lost that money, that then you'd have a reserve to go again. So anyway, I sat down, and um, very, very quickly, three lads came in, and they were steaming drunk. Steaming drunk. And I was like, oh, here we go. Here we go. So we all sat down anyway, and the chips were being flung across the table, raise, re-raise, call, fold, bet, this, that, and the other, and I was just sitting there. I was stoic. I was like a, I was like an iceberg. I was like nothing is going. I'm cool on the outside, cool underneath, cool on top. Shades, hoodie, yeah. Wait till I put my money in across the, the line here. And um, long story short, anyway, okay. By twelve o'clock, by twelve o'clock that night, I was down a thousand euros, <laughs> right? And I was like, what the fuck am I going to do here? down a thousand euros because like i knew the players that i was pl- that i were playing against were were worse players but and you know no matter how i was playing my cards they were getting lucky <laughs> like look after look after look or as we call it in um, poker it's called bad beat a bad beat is when you put your money in good and then the cards come up bad <laughs> you know so you're putting it in over the line and you're ahead and that's all you can ever be in poker is because there's there is luck involved in it. There is skill involved in it. There is chance involved in it. There's bravery involved in it. It really is a, a, a mind fuck of a game. But the only thing that you can... 
the only way you could ever kind of console yourself if you lost money is did I get my money in good you know and I will say and I do remember this I can't remember the hands because you were talking about 15 years ago but I remember putting every time I put my money over the table into the line it was going in good I was ahead but for some reason these drunk lads were just getting lucky on the flop on the turn on the river and they were just winning and their stacks were getting higher and higher and soon my I, I, I was down a grand there was players on the table that were down it's the same you know 1500 1200 1700 800 and we were we were all we were all champing at the bit to try and like because we knew these players were poor um, and we were like we just got to get this money back so i had my card i went to the atm i took out another 500 euros this is back in the day now when i would have been you know i would have had a pot of cash that i would have been using for playing poker exclusively you know and then i would have had my living expenses that were covering your bills and stuff like that but uh, I went and I got another grant and I spent from midnight until six o'clock trying to win back the thousand euros that I lost. And I think by about six o'clock, I was down in total about 200 euros. So I had only lost 200 euros, which was much better than losing a thousand euros, but still terrible because I should have been winning. And these fish, these guys that came in, there was three of them. They were kind of the jock types. They ended up winners on the night and you know i it wasn't too bad i was only down 200 euros and i remember leaving the casino and coming out and it was bright outside and the seagulls were flying all around going, quah, quah, quah. and you know cork city was coming alive it was fucking sunday morning you know six i think it might have been six or might have been half six and i walked out the door i was numb it was like there was almost a ringing in my ear and like I was squinting because it was daylight and when you're inside in casinos they you know they have music on it's like there's it's dark but it's like red velvet it's got like you know you can hear slap machines it's very hypnotic it's really hypnotic um anyway I stumble out and it's the complete opposite to what I've just come in and then the reality of of life is kind of hits me hits you and I remember sighing and just going, fucking hell, that was, that was fucking hard work. And still a loser, like, a loser, down 200 euros, you know. And when I think back now, when I think back of the money that, um, like, I, I, I played poker for 18 months professionally. And I remember with my start, I remember I had a starting stack of about five or 6,000 euros. And I remember about 18 months later, that was down to about 4,000 euros. But I had paid my way, I'd paid my bills, I had lived a life and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, I'm at this now two years. My fucking parents are barely talking to me. I have a shit relationship with my younger son, Dylan. Uh, my fucking relationship with my girlfriend at the time um, was, you know, it was just complete and utter bullshit altogether. And, um, you know, I what was I doing? What was I doing? So I, I, sh- I shortly gave it up. But this particular morning, anyway, I came back out and there was my car in front of me. And I remember thinking to myself that how wrong I was because I was like, oh, my look is in. Look at this car space. And I had spent all night trying to fucking drag back 800 euros from three drunken jocks and 800 euros to them. They, were, they looked like trust fund puppies now, these guys. It was probably like a fucking piece of toilet paper that they'd wipe their arse with, you know? Um... Uh, anyway, I drove away back to my apartment. I was living in Cork at the time. And I went went to bed. And the next thing I remember, my alarm went off at half past ten. And the fear of God 
went through my whole body when I realized that I had to go and referee this match. So I had been, I think I got home at about like, I, I came out around six, half six. I was home for about seven. You know, by the time you're in bed and you're twisting and turning, you're asleep kind of around, you, you'd imagine that you'd go to sleep straight away. But the adrenaline, that's the other thing about poker. It was the only thing that would mimic the adrenaline of, you know, you know, playing sports or just being, you know, being wild or something like that. It just it kept you awake. It kept you buzzing. So I think I got about like two hours sleep. And then I was like just woken up then from a, like a sweaty slumber. And then with the realization that I have to drive to Clyde Rovers to referee a junior B fucking match. <coughs> and I know that there's no way that I can get out of it. There's nothing I can do. I've given my word and I, there's there will be no one else there to ref. And I know what GA is like. You have to fucking, you just have to get there, you know, you have to do it. So I got into the car. I put on, uh, I just put on whatever clothes I had been wearing from the night before, got into the car, drove down to Clyde. I was squinting all the way down, like a kind of a ringing in my ear. I was like, oh, totally unfocused for what was going on. And then I landed at the, I remember driving in and it's very, it's a, there's a big long gravelly drive as you come into Clyde Rovers uh, football field, football and hurling fields. And um, everybody's, you know, all the cars are parked up by the dressing rooms and teams are, you know, managers are outside dressing rooms picking teams and lads are, you know, cl- clanking their, their football boots on the gravel and people are hand-passing O'Neill footballs and there's a bit of tension and there's... And I hadn't thought about any of this, you know. And then it fucking dawned on me, as I came in, I was like, these guys are gearing up for championship. This is actually a lot more serious than I fucking... Than I than I had imagined, and then I met the two umpires from the club. The club who had sent down were actually friends of mine, and they were like, "Yeah, this is there was a couple there's a couple of first team players now playing on both teams, yeah, trying to get on the first team." And all of a sudden, I'm the guy that has to fucking stand over this, you know, adjudicate this, and I'm there, and I've all I've done is one game so far, and that passed off easily, and all of a sudden here I am now, um, and I'm going to have to go and adjudicate this absolute war of a game between two neighbouring factions of guys that would have gone to school with each other, would have had grudges with each other over the years, um, lads that are at the end of their career, lads that are at the start of their career, lads that are trying to get on the first team, oh my god, like, give me fucking, give me a game of poker, the mathematics are far more easier than, than trying to decipher this bloody fucking quagmire of shit that I'm after finding myself in. Anyway, I had both umpires are at either side of the goal. I have a chat with them. I'm like, yeah, okay, let's just get this going. I have my stopwatch. Um, I, I, the, the captains come up, and I don't even have a coin. <laughs> I don't even have a fucking coin uh, to toss. Um, so I have to go down to one of the fucking um, umpires, get a coin, bring it back. I toss the coin. I can't remember who won what anyway. Um, next thing I didn't know, I'm just throwing the O'Neill's football high up into the sky, up, up, up into the sky, and I blow the whistle, and the game is on, and they're, immediately, they're pucking the heads off each other, and roaring and shouting, and like, you know, I know from when I was playing, that if you saw a referee that could be manipulated, you'd fucking manipulate him, and I was that, I was that green, uneducated, naive first time 
wobbly fall of a referee and they both knew it and there was dirty digs flying in and there was like and I was like what is going to go what's going on here and very and it was oh the game was so tight it was tit for tat and tit for tat and I just remember saying thinking to myself just let the game flow here now because I always thought to myself if a referee let the game flow you know it's better for the game the, the, the whole thing will move on quickly players appreciate it but I let it flow but I forgot that the boys hated each other so as I let it flow the elbows were going into the sides of heads lads were getting boxed into their feckin', into the, the into the small of their backs so then I kind of had to change tact about 10 minutes in and then I decided right I'm going to fucking start blowing for everything here so then I started blowing for everything blowing for freeze here and blowing for freeze there so then the line was fucking shouting at me ah oh, come on ref you fucking bollocks you're fucking at it all day, boy. Fuck off. Give us a chance, ref. Come on, ref, you fucking... And that was from both sides, do you know what I mean? And then I had players in either ear going, Come on, ref. Look he's look what he's doing, boy. He's fucking pulling my jersey. And I'm I'm all the time just trying to fucking keep control of it. Um, But at least I knew we're, we're, we're getting close to half time. And then I had a quick look down at my watch. Just had a quick look down at my watch just to see what was left in the first half. And I realised, I realised very quickly that I hadn't even fucking pressed the button to start the fucking game. I didn't even know how much was gone. So I had to kind of preempt it in my own fucking head, what was gone. And then with about like five or ten minutes to go in the first half, um, players were going, what's left in it, ref? What's left in it? And of course, I hadn't, my, wa- my watch started. I didn't even start it, like, you know. So I was like, yeah. So I'd have a quick glance and I'd be like, there's about seven minutes now, about seven minutes plus stoppage time, seven minutes plus stoppage time. And I could, well, then that, the news would filter out to the line to the selectors and there's always one or two pricks on the line who'd be doing stats and they would have been stopping the watch and timing the game themselves and um, they were all perplexed with, with my timekeeping but uh, like you just had to you just had to take command and 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 be affirmative in your actions like I mean it, so if anyone was questioning me about the time even though I hadn't a fucking clue what was gone in the match I would have been adamant I was like, what are you talking about are you questioning my authority what's your name player what's your name player come over here to me a second now till I talk to you that kind of racket, like, you know? Anyway, I got, anyway, I got up as far as half time. The seven min I, st- I started the seven minutes then from that king, and I blew up the whistle for half time. And both teams, it was a draw at half time, and both teams went off into their, to their, into their camps. And uh, up came the umpires uh, from my club, and one of them's name was Eugene, and he comes up to me and he goes, Connie, you only played 22 minutes in the first half. What the fuck are you at? <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I, I actually cut short the match by eight minutes in the first half, and I was like, oh, my God, you're not fucking serious. And then I told him, because he, he, he would know me, he knows the story, and he played a bit of poker himself, and we had a bit of a laugh and a joke about it, and I was telling him that I was fucking wrecked, and he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, you'd be grand, you'd be grand. And um, I took on a bit of water, and uh, I, I was like, my, I, honestly, it was like I was punch drunk around the place I really it was all so surreal what was going on but suddenly anyway before I knew it we were right back into the start of the second half and I had the ball in my hand and I was about to throw it up and a fucking shamazzle broke out around the middle of the field now I don't know if you know what a shamazzle is lads but a shamazzle for those people who are listening in America or who are listening in the Philippines or I have some listeners in India I have some listeners in uh, I could check the stats here now because I'm at my computer but I won't but I have some listeners in all weird parts of the world for those of you who do not know what a shamazzle is a shamazzle is a random breakout of fists and knees and shins and kicks and headlocks and 
it just broke out at the middle of the field and half backs and half forwards and fucking corner and goalkeepers were running up and it was I was like oh my god almighty how the fuck have I ended up into a situation like this this is not fucking good anyway I just blew the whistle and I was like trying to take control of it I knew that the two lads that got started that that it had started with were the two midfielders so I pulled those two lads to the side and I just gave them a yellow each even though both of them should have got the line. In fact, about seven or eight people should have got the line but I wasn't drawing that on me. As far as I was concerned, I just had to get through this fucking game and I was never again going to referee a match as long as I fucking lived. And that was my that was my solemn prayer to myself. I was like, listen to me now, Cornelius. Just get through it. Give them the two yellows. So I gave them the two yellows. I broke it down. And then I said, lads, if I see any more of this, lads, if I see any more of this, carry on. I'll just send you off. And suddenly my wobbly legs were kind of coming a little bit more sturdy. And I was kind of, you know, I was kind of getting stuck into them. And I was kind of, I just felt, look, if I don't take control of this, they're going to fucking, this, this is going to go out of control, you know. And I've been at matches where I have seen it go out of control. So anyway. I threw the ball up again and off we went and we were playing away and it was tit for tat, tit for tat, point here, a point there, a point here, a point there and it must have been coming up close to the end of the game, right, and there wasn't nothing, I, there was nothing between them, I think Clyde were up a point, right, and it was, I, I, it was definitely coming near the end of the game and uh, one of the players comes over to me and he goes, ref, what's left in it? And I had a quick look at the watch again and I fucking never started it again, I couldn't believe it, could you believe that? <laughs> I fucking forgot to start the watch again for the second half. And the only reason was because obviously my, my mind had been drawn off it with the big schmozzle at the start of it. So there I was again going, oh my God almighty. I was like, oh, there's about, there's about 10 minutes left in it. And he goes, 10 minutes, is that all? And I was like, that's what's left in it now. Fucking shut your mouth and get on with the game. And um, I was like, it was going tit for tat. The game, there was nothing between them. And it was getting aggressive and more and more aggressive. And then I started the watch at that stage and I said when I get to 10 minutes here I'm going blowing it up I'm going blowing it up I don't care what anyone says and uh, uh, the game was I, I remember there was about two or three minutes left to go and Clyde Rovers were up a point and Kil Chanig were doing everything they could to try and get the ball down there they were you know going from left to right switching the ball they were bringing on some good they were bringing on some better players that were trying to get onto the junior A team they were just trying to get out of here with some sort of a result and uh, anyway I gave them a free which they totally deserved about 40 yards out and uh, I looked at the watch and there was 8 of the 10 minutes gone and uh, their free taker puts down the free anyway takes about 5 or 6 steps back and uh, he pings it and it goes up 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 hits the post and goes white and I'm like oh my god almighty oh my god what am I gonna fucking do here I need this game to end in a draw because the the level of tension that's going on and this is why I know that games can be fixed because I I'm not saying I fixed this game but I was playing to get out of that fucking to get out of that football field with all the hair on my head um, so the ball was kicked out and I awarded an extremely soft free for Kilshanig again another extremely soft free and the ball was placed down in a junior B match about 15 years ago about 30 yards out and one of the lads that they had brought on the free taker for the first team the year before who was only coming back from injury he comes on and he pings it up, up, up 
off the fucking post and down wide again. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. Two opportunities to draw the game. I was like, I'm going to just fucking blow this up. It's going to be a Clyde, a Clyde win. Um, and the goalkeeper kicks it out. I'm looking at the watch. I'm at 10 minutes. I'm about to blow it. And a shamazzle of all shamazzles breaks out again. I'm talking about a, like a fucking two or three minute shamazzle inside in the square. The goalkeeper, the fucking... Uh, one of my linesmen is trying to pull back people. Like both sidelines are coming in on top of each other. There's cursing. There's swearing. There's elbows. I'm standing back. I'm blowing the whistle. I can see the two lads that I booked with the yellows. They're pucking the head off of each other. They're actually pucking the head off of each other. I'm like, you're on two yellows. Do you know what I mean? I just blow it up. I just blow the whole fucking game up. And I said, lads, you can all fuck off home. I'm not fucking refereeing this game anymore. The game is over. Tis a draw. Even though it wasn't a draw. <laughs> I, cl- I claimed it as a draw. And they all just kind of went, all right, sir, no bother. And uh, that was it. I never refereed a game ever again. And I never will. And that's the story of... Um, my last time refereeing and one of the last times I played poker. I'll see you all next week. Oh, lads, if you're enjoying this podcast, okay, and I know a few of you are, and I'm delighted that you are, please rate, review, and subscribe. It helps me out. Go on to iTunes, leave a little cheeky review if you enjoyed today's little tale. I don't often come on and kind of give give tales of 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 past adventures i think i might do a little bit more of it in the in uh, in the future because it is enjoyable um but yeah if you're enjoying it and you want to help a brother out then you'd be helping me out immensely by doing that so um yeah stay in by the wall everyone and i'll talk to you next week peace and love